Hello, I am C-3PO Human Cyborg Relations. Welcome aboard the Star Speeder 3000. His story began as a typical Hollywood tale. With little more than $40 and a dream, Walt Disney's future awaited. Scanners detecting more trouble in Sector 9. No doubt it's the work of that nefarious criminal, the sworn enemy of the Galactic Alliance, the evil Emperor Zerg. Now I will raise the safety bar, and a ghost will follow you home. <laughs> w, w Radio. You're in Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 317 for the week of March 24th, 2013. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with this podcast, my videos, blog, live broadcast in-person events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, CDs, and more. You can find it all over at www.radio.com. This week's show is brought to you by audible.com, where you can get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash wdwradio. There's more than 100,000 titles to choose from, including lots of Disney books, including the Ridley Pearson Kingdom Keeper series, so you can sign up for free over at audibletrial.com slash wdwradio. So I invite you to join us this week as we virtually explore and visit many of the abandoned spaces of Walt Disney World and dream a little bit about what we would do with them as armchair Imagineers. From lost attractions, shops, restaurants, and even entire pavilions, we'll look back at what was once there and what we could maybe create for the future. I'll then ask you to play Imagineer and submit your own suggestions in the comments section of this week's show notes. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned for additional information and announcements before I play more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Disney World, as we know, is not a museum. It's a living, almost breathing thing that grows and changes constantly. And as Disney fans, this is an amazing thing, as there's always something new to discover, see, taste, and experience. And even seasoned veterans and frequent visitors are treated to small enhancements and additions and opportunities all the time. But sometimes, these come at a bit of a loss, as we know that with change, Oftentimes comes the removal of something that we enjoy, from minor details to attractions, shows, restaurants, and even entire buildings, we still expect and encourage change, despite what we may lose in the process. But other times, some of these attractions and shows and buildings are shuttered and not replaced for one reason or another. And we, as Walt Disney World enthusiasts, often walk or float by some of these locations and start to remember, and more importantly, to wonder. So this week, we're going to virtually explore and visit abandoned spaces of Walt Disney World and dream a little bit about what we could do with them as armchair Imagineers. And I am once again joined by friend and fellow dreamer and doer, 
Ryan Wilson of the Main Street Gazette. You wanted me to sing there to make up for, <laughs> for the anniversary show, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know if I ever want you to sing, but I was I was leading you in with, with the dreaming and the doing. But look, I, you know, Ryan, I think we, we know we are we are kindred spirits. We are brothers yeah. for another mother. And I think like me, there's sometimes there's a sense of sadness when we walk by a place in Walt Disney World that's closed. And I think it's probably initially due to a sense of nostalgia, but we do. We sometimes lament not just what the, the loss of what was there before, but when we see a, a, a space that sits empty. Definitely. There's, there's always areas that we have fond memories of and, you know, for whatever reason, they sit there and you still have these memories, but there's nothing happening there going forward. And you're like, well, what could that be? What's this? What could this be? What it was? And yeah, we definitely have that, that, I know we've been on several tours when we've walked through like, oh, remember this? And it's just, we do, we miss these places. And I think we sometimes, I know when something closes, we ask ourselves why, right? Why is it that this building is shuttered? Why did they literally just close the doors to whatever this may be? And I think there's, right. there's a lot of reasons and not all of them are applicable to all the things, but some of them could be financial, right? Some things are just very costly to operate, yep. whether it's because of the attraction itself or the technology or the cast members that need to staff it. It could be popularity. Not everything is a home run. Believe it or not, Horizons closed because it not necessarily was the most popular attraction in the park, despite what the people that love Horizons on Twitter you know, might feel. <laughs> the sponsorship, right? If, if you lose yep. a corporate sponsor, you now lose that influx of money to keep it running. And sometimes it's just something else that takes place or there's others, other issues that cause these things to close down, despite maybe, Ryan, even if they are a little popular. Absolutely. I mean, I can think of, you know, even in the case of, you know, one of the big ones, you know, River Country, you know, the big, the big, bad, you know, water, massive water parks came up and it, and it, while it was still popular, especially around the fort with guests at Fort Wilderness, it maybe wasn't necessarily, you know. It's time to go, but it was time for it to, to find someplace else. Right. And, and, you know, when I was sort of thinking about this segment, uh, I was thinking also not just about talking about these places, but imagining what we could do with them. Because yeah. I, I think the idea sort of first came to me when I was looking at the abandoned Skyway building in Fantasyland. And I said, mm -hmm. you know, this is such I love the building. Right. I used to love that attraction. Simple, classic as it was. And, and I'd love to do it now because I have such a different perspective of Disney as I did, you know, 15, right. 20 years ago, whatever it was. But I used to speculate saying, okay, there's a small space here. You can't fit an attraction here. What would I do with it? So my thinking was, because it always turns back to food. I said, it's this sort of Swiss chalet. I think Swiss, I think chocolate. I said, this would be a nice little well-themed Swiss chocolate shop. Disney it chose to go a different route and it's restrooms. <laughs> it's going to be restrooms when it opens and it's beautiful, right? They've, they've torn down yeah. that building. It's a spectacular uh, a tower for Rapunzel. And we're still waiting for it at the time of recording for it to officially open. Uh, but that's where it sort of sparked the conversation, right? And, and some of the other places that we're going to talk about, sometimes you walk by and you say, you know, I wish they would do this with that. And I think it's, it's kind of fun to not just talk about these places that maybe not everybody's had a chance to see or visit, but also speculate as to what we could do if we were, as I said, sort of armchair Imagineers. Yeah, yeah, and we and we, we have friends that listen, so maybe somebody will catch one of these <laughs> ideas and and run with it. Well, I think we also know that people, some of the people who listen are are people who are in the position of yeah. 
uh, helping to determine. And look, we certainly are not the only ones who've ever come up with this idea. No. We know that there's probably a lot of people who, because I think, Ryan, a lot of people who are in the company, who are in Imagineering, who are in design, yes. are fans first, right? They're nostalgics yep. first. We can thank uh, you know the Jason Grants and right. all those guys for bringing back the Orange Bird. Right? We can thank these guys for the return of the original Tiki Room and a lot of other things that we're seeing. So I'm sure that when they sit at their desks or they're probably sitting at home sketching, they're saying, you know what? I wonder what we could do mm-hmm. with this place. And one of these days, I bet you one of those ideas will maybe sort of, not to sort of tip my hand, but ignite one little spark in somebody who could say, Let's let's work on this. Let's let's run with this idea. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, they they have all these great ideas, and they're probably you know a, hands and fists above what we what we can come up with. But uh, yeah, it's always fun to kind of dream and and think and wonder what if. So I thought what we would do is maybe go park by park, right? And we didn't talk about this ahead of time. We don't compare nope. lists. Nope. Uh, I would love to sort of start, you know, Magic Kingdom, Epcot Studios, Animal Kingdom. And beyond, because I know that we're thinking about similar places, <laughs> maybe some very close, but outside the parks. So tell me, when when you think of Magic Kingdom, when you think of an abandoned space or a location, what was the first thing that came to mind? What was sort of that first one on your list? First one that came to my mind, and it's because I am that like child of Frontierland, it was uh, Thomas Rose Island, Aunt Polly's Dockside Inn. I dig it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, I thought this was a great place for you. Know, maybe one of those, th- you know, I know it's open seasonally. They have ice cream, but maybe to expand upon that now and really bring people back over to the island. They experimented with the picnic in the parks over at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Why not bring that there? There's so many lush areas on that island, so many great vistas of, you know, Big Thunder Mountain, of the Haunted Mansion. Why not incorporate that into the Dockside, Din- Dockside Inn? I-, I agree with you. And it's one of those places that I enjoy going to not for the Tom Sawyer Island experience, but for the views. You want the sort of a remote, quiet place that not many people will go to, and Polly's is it, right? I've oftentimes gone there with a notepad or my laptop or whatever it is and sat and worked, and you listen to the sounds of the Haunted Mansion. You watch the, the riverboat go by. You you hear It's a great place to look at Disney World literally from a completely different angle, but I agree, and I think that there is a there is a dining element that can and should be there, right? And it may be difficult because of where where it is and getting the supplies back and forth, wherever it may be. But I think the location is so great. I think the potential for theming and story there is so wonderful too that uh, it's a location that could even be expanded on a little bit. And, and De- Definitely. there's, a, there's a, you, know, you have that hill that it's on right there, so there's a little bit more room to work with if they wanted to make the house a little bit bigger. Um, and, you're, and you're right, the views, because you, know, you are a little bit sunk down on the island at that point. So you're looking up at all these structures. So they're even more larger than life than you see them when you're walking by. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, uh, and for those people who've never been to Ann Polly's when it was opened, it very much was, I mean, it's sort of gone through a number of different changes. You know, now mm-hmm. I think there's just a soda, there may even still, I don't even know if the soda machine is there anymore. Uh, but they used to have ice cream and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, and chicken and things like that. I mean, this is going way, way back. Mm-hmm. And over the years, it's just sort of, shrunk down more and more. But even if it is something as simple as a one or two item counter service restaurant, right? Like you've got Gaston's Tavern with the pork shank. You've got some of these other locations with like a single item, um, 
like in Fantasyland, you've got the oh so very delicious teriyaki chicken nuggets uh, over at the Friars Nook. Even if you have that one signature item, whether it's a hot dog or whatever it may be, you can give people another reason to not just visit Tom's Story Island and explore, but maybe go over there and stop and smell the roses a little bit. Definitely, there's the, there is you know there is a draw to that island. There is a reason it's it was built. There is a reason that it's still there. And just give them that that one extra nudge to get themselves over there. Absolutely. So I'm going to tell you the uh, the first thing that came to mind is a place that I talk about a lot, especially when um, I take people to the parks or I'm giving a tour or, or just wandering the parks with friends. And it's actually over in Tomorrowland. <clears throat> and some people might not realize that this is actually an abandoned space because in between Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin exit and the, the Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress is now a Buzz Lightyear meet and greet area. It's mm-hmm. themed, it's sort of a, a backdrop, but behind there at one point was an, a venue known as the Galaxy Palace Theater. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Excuse me, it was an open air seating <clears throat> theater that was primarily used for uh, students to come and perform, but primarily during Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, that was where, <clears throat> sorry, the, uh, the, once time of Christ- the Once Upon a Christmas Time story of Christmas was held with, with Mickey and Minnie. Um, it's a great venue. What I think you don't realize, and you used to be able to see it from the TTA, you can't now because the windows are blocked off, is that section of Tomorrowland, which is currently used for parking, sort of goes out as, a, as an expanding rhombus, right? There's, that, mm-hmm. that's, what, that's the only thing I learned in grammar school, yeah. the word rhombus. <laughs> <clears throat> but there is space out there to build something. And I often, when I'm with people, I say, all right, if you are Imagineer for a day, what do you put there, right? Do you build something that is ties into the story of Tomorrowland? Is it uh, based on the next intellectual property, the next big movie or TV show that's coming out? Do you sort of go retro or do you not tie it to anything? Do you just sort of put something in there that may not have a direct tie to a film but fits into Tomorrowland? And I like to hear people speculate um, and pretend that they're CEO for the day. But for me, I have my answer. And I think that it ties into Tomorrowland, it ties into nostalgia, to Disney films, both past, present, and I think continuing on into the future, because I think this franchise is going to continue as it has, not just on the big screen, but on the small screen as well. And I think what should be there is almost what's there now, sort of a a, a facade, a gateway, to use the Imagineering term, a portal. And when you walk through this portal, just like as you walk into the train station, as you walk into Adventureland, as you walk into uh, Liberty Square from Fantasyland, something happens. And when you walk through this portal here, you stepped onto the game grid of Tron. Ooh. And I think inside here you have th- you three potentially more different experiences, right? You have the thing that all of us as kids and adults still wish we had, which was that virtual light cycle type of game. Mm-hmm. And with the technology, as we're seeing that's coming out today, you can imagine having that type of experience there. What about a Discs of Tron game? Whether you play against another guest, you play against a computer, in a Toy Story Midway Mania sort of interactive gaming type experience, but now it's with the Discs of Tron. Upstairs, you have the End of Line Lounge. A snack bar, lounge, whatever it may be, all that takes place inside this world of Tron. You don't have to be a Tron fan to enjoy it, but I think mm-hmm. it's something that could have uh, a wide appeal. Oh, definitely could. Yeah, anything Tron and I'm already sold. <laughs> um, and that was even before we got to the sequel. But I think I think a game, I think a, 
something like maybe like the Star Trek experience where you were, you lived inside that game, you know, inside the world of Star Trek would work well there. You, you get on, you know, you, you go through the world of Tron, you're sucked in, and then you come back out at the end. Um, yeah, I could definitely see Tron pairing well there. Oh, wait, what about this, right? Okay, so we're, we're at the very tip of the next-gen iceberg, right? We don't know what yeah. next-gen is going to be, but we're seeing My Magic Band, uh, you know, the My Magic Plus and the Magic Bands. What about this? What about on your My Magic Band, right? You That's almost sort of your identity disc. Or you mm-hmm. can sell people an identity disc, right, that they can <laughs> customize. But your My Magic Band is your identity disc, and your identity disc not just has the name and the character and the the avatar and the costume that you create for yourself, right. but your score, your record against other guests. So now when guests come in and say, oh man, this guy, Ryan Wilson Matua, is got, you know, he's undefeated. He's 182 and zero. This is the guy I want to try and beat, or this is the score I want to beat, right? So now Definitely. you sort of take that, that not just interactivity, but the personalization of the experience into an attraction yeah. like that. Yeah, I've already been in... in- a, my wife's gonna kill me because I've been walking around the house going, when I get that Mickey band, we're walking on the Power Ranger now. Like, and like <laughs> Magic Kingdom, go! You know, it's just, so you so you just add on to that, and you can, and it works so well. You could add your um, your designs and test track onto there, so you have your car, so you can keep the scores up. Uh, but it would be a piece to be able to design your own avatar for the Wellatron, and you know who your program is, and what your program does, and all those pieces onto that. Yeah, right. and you don't lose it when you walk out the door because you know now when you leave test track. That, that goes away for the most part. It's something that, that you create. Right. You can take that experience online with you at home. You can continue yep. to play that way. So the Disney experience continues beyond the four corners of the park. I'm starting to like this idea more than I did when I first started talking about it. Yeah, so. I'm really in love with this idea right now. I'm really, and it's, yeah, I could totally get behind this. All right, so uh, anything else in the Magic Kingdom for you? Because there was one more that I thought of here, and I don't know if, if this is one of the places you thought about as an abandoned space. So mine kind of actually filtered off of my last one, but it was the settler's cabin area of uh, of Tom Sawyer Island that you see from the ferry boat, and how it's just it's really become run down, but it's still there. Uh, they've infused so much life into the Disneyland version. I'd love to see a story come back to that piece of of the attraction and that piece of the island, whether it's the way they did it in Disneyland with the uh, Mike Fink and Davy Crockett. Or potentially with you know the Lone Ranger coming out, there's a Lone Ranger tie-in there. But something needs to be needs to bring the cabin back to some form of life. Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of people probably don't even know exactly where it is the cabin that you're speaking of because yeah. now it, it's sort of it's a prop, right? It's it's a it's a non-functioning prop to a certain degree. Right, and it, and so for for those of you who don't know, it's right across from Thunder Mountain on Tom Sawyer's Island. Uh, as you're making that first. That well, that turn from Thunder Mountain to the backside of the island. There's a cabin there. It's kind of overgrown. You see a fence there. And once upon a time, it was you know you you hear the warning still in the spiel about settlers' cabin aflame. And uh, so it was it was a settlers' cabin that that for all intents and purposes, river pirates had gotten to and pillaged and set on fire. Yeah, and it's so funny. This is one of those things that's the urban legend, right? Because people go and say. I remember that cabin used to burn and people were like, what are you crazy? Disney wouldn't be setting this cabin up, but it did. It, it burned. Mm-hmm. And, and at one point there was a dead settler. Yes. Out, right. Remember he, he yes. was shot by an arrow and eventually he was sleeping and then or he was drunk and then they took right. him away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
he had passed out, and then they, they were like, you know, what? we just need to get rid of it. Just get it off stage. Just get, yeah. Um, and you, even if you want to tie it in with, yes, they still have the Wilsons cave in, and you can still hear the River Pirates in there. But tie it all in together. You know, make it a piece of story. You get one side. You know, you get this this piece of story over here, that piece over there, and you know, and really bring it back to life. And I think not to get off track, but I think you could do that even with Tom Sawyer Island as a whole. I think you could yeah. make that much more experiential as opposed to go. Just go and run and explore. And if you happen to see a few of these things, if you happen to follow the map, if you happen to try and piece together the story, that's great. Almost give people a story and, and, a, and a, a direct, I don't want to say a directed experience, but an experience that uh, will follow a, a path that you will help create maybe on your own. Right. So there are story elements you can pull together and it's sort of a, a three-act play. And when you leave, you've got this sense of satisfaction like, mm-hmm. I got it. But when I go back again, it could almost be something different. I could change it, my story around, right? Right. And, and I have a little bit about something like that later on, so we'll get to it okay. later. Okay, interesting. I'm, I like this. I, I like where we're going. So I have one more in, uh, in the Magic Kingdom. I don't know if you have any more. And this is the complete polar opposite of my Tron experience. Because as much as I love the technology, I love the simplicity. Mm-hmm. The Wedway People Mover, Tomorrowland Transit Authority, call it what you will, is one of, if not my favorite attraction, at the very least, the only thing I, I make sure I ride whenever I go to the parks. Right. What I do miss is a similar experience that used to be there. And one of my favorite places to stop and smell the roses, literally and figuratively, is the Plaza Rose Garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that lower area, you, there's sort of that patinaed green uh, covered pavilion, yep. which used to be the load and unload area for the Plaza Swan Boats. Mm-hmm. And this is another one, Ryan, that because it was here for only 10 years, people don't remember. But there were these beautiful boats shaped like swans, obviously, that would ply the waterways that would leave from Tomorrowland go under the bridge by Main Street USA, go around the uh, the treehouse, go mm-hmm. around by the Jungle Cruise, go back under the Adventureland Bridge, past Liberty Square, under the, the, the Castle Drawbridge, around the moat, and back to Tomorrowland. It was the Wedway People Mover on the water. Mm-hmm. I think it was not successful for a variety of different reasons. I think Disney maybe thought, well, this is, you know, people who are coming to Florida, they want something. Maybe the older people want something to relax, or people didn't know if it was a transportation system uh, or as opposed to an attraction like like right. TTA, and it wasn't maybe clearly defined, and we'll talk about that problem with another attraction later. But I think if people understand what it is, and they make it a beautifully narrated, it's almost like a tour, right? Almost yeah. like a tour of the Magic Kingdom with views that you, that you literally cannot replicate. No, that going under and around the uh, the treehouse was beautiful. And being able to see the castle going underneath the drawbridge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we, you know, we, you and I talked about the Plaza Swan Boats at length at one point, and it is it's, it's an incredible area to to experience, and and the views from all the videos that you you can find one or two online still. You know, it's you you look up and the castle is just humongous in front of you. You you're into the wilds. You know, it's almost like you are on the African Queen going through Adventureland. Um, it's it's just an incredible slow paced kind of take your time and and soak it all in experience. And I definitely think it had the place that it could come back to. Yeah, and it, it doesn't have to be a TTA-like experience with a pre-recorded mm-hmm. narration. You could almost make it more of a Jungle Cruise type experience where mm-hmm. the cast member is not just spieling uh, dialogue, but 
answering questions, you know, almost make it yeah. be sort of a, a guest relations cast member skipper who's able to ask and answer questions, give you a little bit of history, you know. So, yeah, tell you stories about the park, you know, and it, its history. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I think it would have appeal to kids and adults, to nostalgics, to people just want something where you can slow down just a little bit. So. Definitely, yeah. It, it and today's you know everything is so go 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 go. It'd be nice to have a couple more experiences where it's like just slow down, just take you know just take a breath. And for the for the bean counters at Disney, it's going to cost a lot less than my Tron based <laughs> land in Tomorrowland. So <laughs> your end of line sky bar. That's right. <laughs> oh. uh, anything else for you in Magic Kingdom? I don't think so. I kind of, I did kind of have that back corner pegged of Tomorrowland and tying it towards Main Street with the whole, uh, you know, bringing back up the idea of the the Edison Square concept with a steampunk element. Um, but I like the Tron idea a little bit more. Yeah, and, and one of these days we'll talk about the uh, the Astronomers Club and sort of yeah. speculate on on that connection between Main Street and Tomorrowland. So all right, so go over to Epcot Center because I, I think here. Um, there were were two locations that just you know they hit you in the face as places mm-hmm. that are, are ripe for something new, and the first one really hit me in the stomach, <laughs> and it was the Odyssey, and I mean I can remember going there and getting the best char grilled sandwich they had on property, char grilled chicken sandwich on property, and the toppings slash salad bar whatever you wanted to call it, uh, and I remember there was there were character interactions, there were some shows there occasionally. Um, but that you know that corner, everyone walks by it now, and it's right when you pass uh, test track and you're on your way towards Mexico. That back kind of entrance there, it has restrooms, it has uh, the first aid baby care center now. But there, it was so much more, and it gets used for special events now. And I personally feel like it is actually a prime location for a restaurant. Yes, you have Mexico and all of its offerings, but this would be this would give Future World mm-hmm. another really strong quick service dining option. And I think it does go back to these offering up these unique options. You know, maybe just maybe make it known for just one thing, whether it's that char grilled chicken sandwich or an entirely new, you know, like a option of something, you know, the pork shank or something like that nature. I think there's a, there's there's room here to bring back a restaurant in that corner. Right. I, I think you're right. And I think when people talk about the Odyssey, they say, well, it's so close to World Showcase. It should be some sort of internationally themed pavilion. You can have a maybe samplings of varieties of food from nations and cultures that you don't maybe get, excuse me, in World Showcase. But I think you're right. I think this needs to be, and it is, uh, despite its location, a future world restaurant. Mm -hmm. Uh, You do have Electric Umbrella. You've got Sunshine Seasons. But here you have the opportunity to do something. And I know, you know, to some people, the Odyssey seems like it's sitting out in no man's land. And it's because of the giant sinkhole that's right in front of it. That's why it's placed (laughs) where it is. But I think you're right. I think this could be, uh, it could even be made into a sit-down restaurant as opposed to a, a, an additional counter service restaurant, um, which certainly I think Future World would need. Um, I think you could potentially theme it well. I think there's a, uh, I think there's a story theming almost entertainment opportunity there right. because that's how the venue is, is laid out now. Right. Uh, because it's used for special events. And, and it is, it's a very popular special event location because it is in park. It is not used. It's not something that has to be shut down. So it's, it's, I've been to a number of events there, and it's a, it's a great venue. It has all the kitchen space built right in there. But I, would, I think you're right. I think I'd almost like to see a sit-down restaurant here as opposed to a counter-service restaurant. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and, and you're right. You know, they have all these great angles, and that you know, it's built with that uh, octagon, not octagon, hexagon design in there, and it's you see the tile patterns. So there's a real, you know, edge kind of, you know, that future of geometric geometric patterns kind of thing going on. So there is a chance to build a story in there. I, I think so. And listen, anytime that there's an additional restaurant coming to the parks. Lou Mangello is a happy guy. Yeah, I'll be right there with you. <laughs> so uh, the, there, were, there were two other ones really that, that came to me, and one of them just seemed incredibly obvious, but I, I'm going to go to the one... Gosh, I don't know. It's like... Geez, <laughs> I, know they, it's they Sophie. I, I know them both. I can already tell you where they are. All right. They're both... They're, but they're, yeah. It's Sophie's Choice, right? Which one... And <laughs> this is in no particular order. Uh, I think one of them has greater potential, but I'm going to go with my heart before my head. And I'm mm. going to say image works. Yeah. This, this upstairs playground inside the imagination pavilion. It was there from 1982 to I think about 1998 or so. And as you exit the journey into imagination version three point, whatever, and you walk into the gift shop, you'll notice that there is a spiral staircase that is closed off. Please do not try and walk up the stairs that leads you to what many guests don't realize is a second level of this glass pyramid. Mm -hmm. And up there were, and we've talked about this in our Journey to Imagination uh, episode, yeah. which I'll link to in the show notes, there was an entire interactive playground there, which is now unfortunately mostly dismantled, but there was kaleidoscopes and mirrors and rainbow carters and, and art. And the, the thing that I liked, that I loved about this, Ryan, and again, let's go back to 1982. It was a very different world back then. Right. It was a user-controlled experience, and it really touched on all of your senses, light, sound, music, art, special effects. The technology geek in, in young, still the same height, Lou Mangiello, was <laughs> at its peak. Even something as simple as the pin table, I, I loved yeah. because I was touching it. I was doing it. I was controlling the experience. And it's funny, our, our mutual friend, and he's he's on the show all the time, Glenn Whalen, he and I actually talked about this once. He says, I've got the great idea. And he just, he closes his eyes and he sort of stares out into, uh, into the vista and says, it's the dream zone. And I said, the what? He said, listen, I'm 45 years old. I want a place <laughs> I could just go upstairs and go take a nap, right? I want a place to just <laughs> relax and go to sleep. You've got the dream in there and it's the dream zone. And I said, all right, that may not be the best utilization of that space. Uh, I think that something that you can put up there Again, going back to your Odyssey, I'm mm. going to see your Odyssey and raise you an ImageWorks level restaurant. You've got beautiful vistas, right? You've got this entire glass pyramid. Imagine a restaurant in there at dusk and at night. Yeah. Right? You've got incredible vistas. You could even theme it, right? Here you go. Bring back the Dreamfinder a walk around Dreamfinder and Figment, an imagination themed restaurant. Maybe almost take some of those concepts from that astronomer's club in the Magic Kingdom, an adventurer's club type experience where you can maybe even have rotational dining like a hoop-de-doo or I think there's a lot of opportunities there. Um, there was a lot of infrastructure that would need to be put in there because there's no restrooms right. upstairs, there's no kitchen. I, I get it. We're, we're sort of, this is blue sky thinking, um, but you could very well, very easily put a, a restaurant up there as opposed to something like the old post-show, which was the playground, what we have now sort of in the post-show of Spaceship Earth and some of these other locations and interventions. We, we have that now, right? We, we've got those interactive areas, but you've got a, a beautiful 
venue that I think you can get very, very creative in theming and story. No, you definitely can. And, you know, and even thinking about that, I, you know, food is the playground for adults these <laughs> days. And, and, and I'm sitting here thinking, you know, at dusk and sunset, you know, why not have a great bar up there that you could do, you know, really specialty cocktails, real, like get some incredible mixologists who are doing things with, you know, white peppercorns and this, you know, the peel of this fruit or, or whatever, you know, they have all these incredible ideas now. There's all these contests you know, every year. You could do a really like, just take, take the, the bar menu and just go all out with it. Yeah. I love it. I, I love it. Um, and you can really, you can, I think you can, can bring potentially a, a high end experience in yeah. there as well too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that I think that next we're we're going to the obvious. As long as we're speaking about um, you know giant pavilions, uh, we're we're probably both heading over to Wonders of Life. I, yeah, I, that's the next stop. Yeah, it, um, going back, you know, there there were always plans, Ryan. You know, for a life and health pavilion to be in Future World. Right. When this pavilion finally came to be in 1989, some of those concepts made it in, maybe different than uh, what was originally proposed. Uh, I, I think Wonders of Life, we talked about this pavilion in our, our Wayback Machine segments. Mm. We had Body Wars and Goofy About Health and The Making of Me and some of the, and Cranium Command and some of the other different type experiences. But I still believe, now, now and just to, to sort of update you in 2013, this is obviously used for special events. It's during for food and right. wine and flower and garden. There really is not much in there other than the shell. It is also used for corporate events. You can rent out the pavilion if that's what you'd want to do. But I think there's a huge potential. And for me, what I want to see in there is the life and health pavilion. I want to see a, a pavilion about us, about us humanity. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, a, a corporate sponsorship opportunity for maybe another insurance company where we can right. learn about our health. We can learn about the bodies. Maybe even, you know, take that Body Wars Martin Short inner space type of attraction, but make it something more personal. Maybe a right. single person heads up display where you can interact with the environment. You are the person going into the body, not just to, you know, play around and find the splinter, mm -hmm. but to, to mm -hmm. do more and to learn more. No, I love it. And, and my first thought was to say, you know, there's always going to be that life and health and medicine and medical aspect that that could be used in future world. So I looked at it. I was like, what else could we do with it? And so I went on a different plant, and my idea for it was to take a restaurant. You were going to make a restaurant. <laughs> no, I, I stayed away from food this time. I stayed away from food this one time. Um, no, it was to take a to make, take a look at you know sciences like geology, archaeology, um, anthropology, and have a ride where you ha you know. And if you have to rebuild an entire pavilion, let's rebuild an entire pavilion. But you know, have a, a ride where you can go through the layers of the earth. You know, the journey to the center of the earth type of uh, experience, but make it more. You know, tangible to what is actually there and not there are, you know, these, this alien race, this species of creatures that are living under the earth. Um, and when you come out, you know, you have the, 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 um, dig sites where you, you know, like you can sift through and find artifacts and how, and how they find artifacts. You could have, uh, you know, dedicated displays where you can start researching your own family tree and you can get the genealogy there. Uh, so I wanted to see something. It's still the human experience. It's the history of human experience, but it's also the history of our of the planet. So I thought it tied it all together. I love that. I love that. And it's very, you know, it's so unique to, but but organic for Epcot. Yeah. Right? So, uh, yeah, I really like that a lot. It, that's the first time I've heard of anything like that. So um, 
I dig, pardon the pun, I dig it. Dig it, dig it, <laughs> dig it. We can put a Food Rocks kind of show in there, call it I Dig It. All right, as long as you get to, as long as there's a restaurant in there as well too, then I'm happy. Um, I, I'm not, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I think we, we've talked about this in the past, but when I thought about abandoned spaces and I was going through through World Showcase in my head, we obviously have talked Mm-hmm. at length about the pavilions that were supposed to be and never came to be right. uh, Spain and Israel and Africa and, and Australia and all those other concepts. But I thought about an abandoned space in terms of the outpost, right? In, in that corner, uh, as you go over the bridge past China, that is where Equatorial Africa was, was going to be. And I think that is still one of multiple abandoned spaces in World Showcase where there is room for another uh, pavilion and I would like to see one come. I would like to see another pavilion or pavilions, plural, come. Egypt, Greece, Thailand, India, Australia, whatever it may be. Uh, I still say that uh, there is potential there. And I understand the logistics and the financials and, and everything else that goes into it. But we're dreaming and doing here. And I think Outpost is a, a prime location for a, a true pavilion. Oh, definitely. If it has, it has so much, so much land there, and so much space, and so much potential there. That yeah, it could definitely be something. And I only had one other little place, and it's right there at International Gateway, where the old tram station used to be. They ran there for you know nineteen ninety you know, nineteen ninety years for a little while, and they just recently have taken out in the past year the actual cover where you could get the tram to go to the Swan and Dolphin, uh, the Yacht and Beach Club, Boardwalk for just a very brief time in the early nineties. But there's just a gaping space there, and I thought that would be a great place to actually put in, you know, to expand on all the gardens of World Showcase and just build one massive garden there that you could see even before you walk in the park. Hmm. I like that. You're right. Yeah. I, and I like that because I agree with you. I, I don't like seeing empty spaces. No. And and again, what we're when we're we're, we're talking and thinking and dreaming and, and blue skying here. We're not talking about, okay, from a financial perspective, what is the benefit by putting a garden there? That, that We sort right. of take that out of the equation right? because it would be – you're right. It would make for also a much grander entrance into right. what some people like to call the, the back entrance or the side entrance to uh, Epcot Center. For some of us who are locals, that is oftentimes – our the primary entrance. entrance, right? Yep. This is this is normally where we go in because our day will begin and end in World Showcase. Um, right. So I, I do like that. I, I like being able to do something with uh, with that space. So uh, I want to move over to Disney's Hollywood Studios, and again, it, because it's relatively young. Um, although now that I think about it, technically it's not, but for me, it still <laughs> seems like it's relatively young. What's the first thing that you come to that comes to your mind when you think of abandoned spaces and what you would do with them? The first thing that comes to mind is just, and it's that black hole of stage one back there by next to uh, Toy Story Midway Mania. It was the hot, you know, used to be Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, play it. Um, you had Mickey, Sorcerer Mickey, that was his meet and greet for a while, but it's really not been uh, uh, anything spectacular since 2006. And it just sits there saying hot set, you know, coming soon, but nothing's coming soon. And uh, I do think it's time to, you know, expand out Pixar a little bit more. But I want to see something different from Pixar. I don't want to see the same, you know, what we've, what we've been hearing of, the, you know, rehash the things that they've already done. I want something new, whether it's, you know, the Monsters, Inc. Uh, door coaster. I had a great idea for, you know, an up adventure where you're, you know, you're in the house and you're moving through the ride and you're, Using, uh, you know, using your own, you know, whether it's you know, bird eggs or whatever you're using 
to fight off the biplane dogs that are the spirit of adventure, but you move through the up adventure and you kind of interact with the pieces as you go. So I like that a lot, So, I, but I want to play devil's advocate to you. <laughs> is, is, up, is a new up attraction in 2013, 2014, is it relevant and attractive enough to be what should go there? Right, because that 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 franchise to a certain degree is at its I don't want to say end of life, but there is no up sequel. Right. Like it, it ran it, it ran its course, and it's not gonna it's not gonna come up again like you see with cars or monsters. Right, it, there's not gonna be a monsters. Right, there's not up university. No, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's monsters so, university. No, and that and I, and I really don't. You know, I don't I don't mind. I don't care what goes in there. I just I I want something different. I don't want to see. I don't want to see something that we've seen from Disneyland or something that we've seen from. Uh, you know, Shanghai or right. Tokyo, or I want to see something different come to the, come to that area for Pixar. Give them, you know, a new burst of life and another reason to draw people into that park. I I very much agree with you, and I've been very vocal about my feeling about keeping the parks unique enough that they give you a reason to go. I I think am one of the very few that does not want to see Cars Land at Disney's Hollywood Studios. It's been rumored since Cars Land came to California, mm-hmm. with its uh, enormous success. Everybody saying, well, it just makes sense. They can replace the back lot or, 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 and or uh, lights, motors, action with a car's light. I don't want it here. I want you to keep that as what is going to make Disneyland a destination for me. I, I don't want a Ratatouille or Monsters, Inc. attraction here. I want to go to Hong Kong and Shanghai and Paris yeah. and Tokyo. I'm going to go anyway, but I want things that are going to be special and unique to that. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and and you and I have talked about you know Cars Land and being out being a Disneyland destination piece, and how Epcot never went out there, and it's really better that it didn't. It, it gives each side that you know gives each park their own identity or each resort their own identity. Uh, and, and I do. I want to I want to see something that that really flourishes, really helps you know give that park another another reason to come there. Uh, but yeah, let's tie it back into Pixar because it's all right there. Right, and I think and I think to quote. Now is the time. Now is the best time because there may be a potential opportunity. So let's let's dream a little bit, right? Because right now in 2013, from a from a business perspective, it makes no sense to put an attraction there. Why? Right. Because why do you want to cannibalize still the most popular attraction in all of Walt Disney World, which is right next door? You don't need to spend money to build another multi million dollar attraction there. However, taking that out of the equation, what what's one of the uh, Pixar films we have coming up that's just starting to get its buzz now, it's Planes, right? Yeah. We're hearing the name Dane Cook. We're hearing about what's going to be going on. We're seeing little uh, bits and pieces. And, and So Disneyland has Cars Land. You can't make a land in that in that show building, although it, if you remember the millionaire set, it, it is a big space. It's a rather big, yeah. You could do something in there potentially with a Planes type attraction, a simulator attraction, whatever it may be. We haven't seen the film. We don't know what it's going to be like. We don't know how successful it's going to be. But you want to talk about working with and and capitalizing on the next new franchise that is something that's not found anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where you put a planes attraction. And and you definitely have the space for it. You're right. I mean, during Star Wars weekends, they fit a life size X wing in there for photo ops. I've you know I've seen that. So you have the room in there to, to put to put planes in instead of X wings. Absolutely. I can't believe and I can't believe those words. Just- <laughs> Well, you know, and well, again, talking about X-Wings and what may be coming to the studios in the future, one can only speculate. Um, for me, the one, the first one that came to mind, uh, not because of what it was or what it could be, but because I missed this space and this too was one of those 
almost urban legend spaces for people because so many don't know it or remember it. You know where I'm going. I do. I'm going upstairs, right? I'm going to the catwalk elevator. (laughs) I'm going beyond the velvet rope at the Hollywood Brown Derby because that's another way to get up there to the catwalk bar. And for those of you who may not know what or where we're speaking of, uh, we're Playhouse Disney live on st- stages. I'm sorry, it's it's Disney Junior live on stage now. It used to be Bear in the Big Blue House, but at one point that was a restaurant. And you were able to go above this restaurant. And if you go inside the Hollywood Brown Derby and walk over towards the restrooms, you'll see an elevator and a velvet rope leading to a staircase there. That led you to the catwalk bar. Obviously the catwalks that you would walk on above a stage or a studio or whatever it may be. Well, that's literally what it was. You were able to look down on this restaurant, it was a very small, very quaint, well-themed lounge, right? It was a sort of an adult's lounge. They had some light appetizers and things like that. And literally at one point, Ryan, it was shuttered. I mean, they literally yeah. just closed the doors and walked out and sat exactly the way it was for years. The, the neon catwalk bar sign was up there. It was used for storage. It was used for a variety of reasons. I don't know the current state of it now, nor do I encourage anyone to walk beyond the velvet ropes no. and try and find out. But I think here is another opportunity to open up the doors, dust it off a little bit, and have that, when I say exclusive, I don't mean members only, but you can have Mm -hmm. almost an exclusive type lounge up there, right? You've got the tune-in lounge, you've got some other places like like inside the the Brown Derby if you want to get a cocktail, but you can have a, a very nicely themed, a very quiet, very private, adults only even, if you want to, if you want to go that route lounge upstairs i yeah i could definitely see that i i I believe if you know everything i've heard is uh correct that you you still can see what would now be uh disney junior live on stage from up there so you'd have to find a way to close you know you have to shut it all down close it off uh but i think it could make it definitely make a great lounge um another idea i had was to use it as perhaps like an old hollywood photo pass location where while you're waiting for your dinner because dining at the brown derby is kind of an event and you do tend to have a wait you could go upstairs and you could whether you put on a, you know the costume they, they had costumes there or it was just a propage and they could use the old timey filters on the on the camera on the pictures and you could have this great feel of you know you're living on sunset boulevard in a photograph that you can have after your dinner oh i like that i, I like that a lot um yeah, sort of making it a sort of plussing up your experience right. by giving you that these are the the old time photograph. Yeah, I like that. Right. Uh, almost like it used to be uh, at Pirates of the Caribbean way back when, yeah. when you used to be able to take uh, pirate pictures yep. out uh, in the gift shop area. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's interesting, too, because is, there is a finite amount of space up in there as well, obviously. Right, right. Although the, it, it was once a lounge, it could it could be a lounge. And I do love that. Anything old Hollywood, anything 1940s Hollywood, kind of that golden age, I I, I will be there with, you know, my spats and anything else <laughs> I can get my hands on. So Yeah, I mean, because that, that's, that's what I was thinking. You know, it's one of those things that as you walk through the portal, there you are. You're, you're back in yeah. time. You're in Hollywood in that golden age. The bartenders are dressed that way. They talk a certain way. They act a certain way. And, and they yep. really, you're no longer in Hollywood studios. It's a transformative uh, type of experience like that. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I don't know why I'm picturing the scene from The Shining with Jack Nicholson and the bartender. Because <laughs> that's not the direction I wanted to go, but that for some reason is the first thing. We don't want to get, we're not reliving the horror genre. Yeah, we're not, we're not going that route. Um, <laughs> so the uh, where's the next place for you inside uh, Hollywood Studios? I went back to the old Hunchback Theater, which is now the Premier Theater. 
yeah, they've redone it. They've closed it, and now it has all these seats. Um, I know you and I were there when the studios turned 20, and they had a great little talk. Um, they have the Comedy Warehouse holiday special there right now, and that got me thinking, you know, Comedy Warehouse is kind of homeless, as, as it were. Why not make a theme park show, a Comedy Warehouse, you know, improv theme park show that could be there all year long, and they could change it for the season. You know, for holidays, you can have the holidays. For summer, they could be doing like a summer vacation show. Uh, and it'd be really easy because the cast could just, you know, they're such talented individuals. They could just turn it over. Um, and I think that that's an opportunity to, to really bring people in. I, uh, I agree with you. And that actually ties directly into another one that I had on my list because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of crossover here. Um, the old Drew Carey uh, show Sounds Dangerous, yep. which has been shuttered. It has been used for special events like the... Um, during Star Wars weekends where you can be frozen in carbonite. They, they themed it very well. You walked in, you felt as though you were you were getting frozen in a, in a great storytelling experience. It has been used over the past few years for the Comedy Warehouse holiday special. It's a great venue. It's built for that. And we now get that great improv type comedy show inside a theme park. It's a people eater. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's for the whole family. I think that you're right that it may be more appropriate if they can fill it in that theater, right? Yeah. And I think what you can do is you can also modify that theater a little bit, maybe take room in the back and have a concession stand. You can mm-hmm. sell snacks. You can sell alcohol, right? If you want to sit down for yep. a 45-minute show, maybe somebody wants a, a beer or a glass of wine or whatever it may be. There you go. And you make it really into a theater, Right. It becomes a, a right. theater experience. It's also accessible in terms of if you want to make it interactive and bring people up on stage, the stairs are there. It's yep. sort of built yep. just for that. So let's do, let's take that to sort of take the comedy warehouse, put it in there or some type of act like that. And, yeah. and let's move over to someplace like Sounds Dangerous. And what do you do? You know, because that does not necessarily have to be a theater. Right. It doesn't have to be a theater in the way it's set up. You've got the right. theater space. You've got the post show area, which now is used. Not as sort of a, a fully interactive thing, but I think it's just a, it's almost like a holding area so, for the most right. part now. I've had I've had a couple of ideas, and some of them are so grand, it's it's you know crazy. But my idea at one point in time was to take it and really revitalize this you know living the this living uh, soundstage, living park, uh, or living studio park aspect, and have animators working on new segments for like a Fantasia type show in the animation side across the way. And then you have a live orchestra that would play with the, with, with these shorts as they, as they finish them in that, in that theater, you know, so you'd see like two or three different shorts that they've been working on for the past year. And then as new ones came out, they would rotate them in and out and you'd have this orchestra playing with them. Uh, like I said, that was real blue sky, but I was like, you know what? I, I could see Fantasia funding life in that kind of a venue. And so it would be something that would change from time to time, from much time like time, yeah. much of the old Magic Disney animation sort of area once, right. once was when it, when it was functioning right. that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I try and think of things that I think because of what the way kids are now and the way they're sort of coming up in terms of they want more and we want more than just a, a simply a passive experience. Mm-hmm. We want things where we're not just necessarily sitting to watching. We want to interact. We want our or we want our kids the opportunity to get right. up and be part of the show. Festival of the Lion King is a great example. Absolutely. Part of what makes that show great is not the music and the costumes and everything. It's because 
your kid can get pulled up onto stage yeah. and be yeah. part of it. And it and it changes the dynamic from time to time. So I think when I think about that space, I try and think about, okay, what, what can you put in there? Literally, almost directly in the center of Disney's Hollywood Studios. But I think you're right to maybe tie into the movie making experience or the music experience or the acting experience, whatever. Listen, the old shows that used to be in there where you could get up on stage and be part of Gilligan's Island or the Tonight Show or whatever right. it was. I mean, you talk about a, a rewritability, quote unquote, factor. Yep. Even beyond something like uh, American Idol, where the show literally changes every single time you see it. That same kind of thing could be the same way where maybe you take some of these popular Disney shows that you're not necessarily filming there, but give kids a chance to be part of Wizards of Waverly well, Place or yeah, Gravity it, Falls or whatever it may be. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Jesse and all of those shows. Oh, I think you could totally sell kids on that instantly. And you could sell me too. If there was, <laughs> if there was a Gravity Falls attraction, I would be all over it. So. <laughs> Um, I'm going to, uh, this one is, is, is somewhat, it's mentioning it tongue in cheek, um, because years ago, and I mentioned this cause it's right next door years ago, uh, a couple, somebody sent me a photograph of something at Disney's Hollywood studios, which I was convinced was Photoshopped, right? Or it's just one of those things that, that somebody was playing around with. And then over the next days and weeks, I got many other people sending me the same picture and they're going, wow, this is really awesome. And I went, I lived in um, I lived in South Florida at the time, so I wasn't able to check right away. And when I drove up here, uh, the first place that I went was Disney's Hollywood Studios to find that the the Radio Disney Studio had been renamed the WDW Radio Studios. Yes, yes. <laughs> in the same red, you know, in the same red font, and, everything. and I just. <laughs> And I'm and I said, well, "Wow, what are they doing with it?" I'm like, "Oh, I have no idea," which really meant I have no idea. And, and I, right. I said, "Wow, this, you know." So there is a, a working radio studio there. Uh, you, you can there's um, there, there's blinds, but you can sometimes see it, and there's sort of a full radio studio there. So I, I say half jokingly, "Listen, you you got the name up there already. I'm I'm right <laughs> here. You need something to fill the space. Let me come in. We'll do the show right from there. We'll have a live audience right out of Disney's Hollywood Studios." And, and there you go. Other than that, I don't know what else to do to do with that studio. I've always <laughs> I've joked since they've added that in that I was like, you know, I think like either either the, you and I need to record right out in front of it if they won't let us in, you know, but but do a live broadcast from the actual studio there. Yeah. So if they're listening and they need somebody to fill in, we're ready to go. We could have a lot of fun having uh, guests right from the park be part of the of the audience and and do a daily show right from the WW Radio Studios. Yeah, I will, I will be there either with you. And, you know, if they need, they need an event to launch it. They have Star Wars weekends coming up. They're right across the street from Star Tours. And you and I can do a month's worth of Star Wars. <laughs> there <events>. you go. <laughs> um, there was one other place I had at, at Hollywood Studios. I don't know if this made your list or not. Um, it's currently referred to as the Prop Shop mm -hmm. over by, um, uh, by the old... Uh, Backlot Tour and by Pixar Place. It used to be part of the original Backlot Tour when it was like the two-hour tram walking super, yep. you know, backstage tour experience. It was a room. There was a couple of rooms. One of them was where your kids can get on the Bumblebee and be part of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie right. set kind of thing. All about uh, green screen technology. And then there was another room in there as well. Well, now you can use those rooms. You can rent out those rooms for special events. It's called the Prop Shop. Um, and inside there, they have tons of props from old Walt Disney World, right? From uh, shows, parades, attractions, 
floats, signage, beautiful stuff. I mean, when I the first time I went in there, I, I don't even remember what the event was because all I was doing was running around and taking pictures. Because it's yeah. fascinating. It's you know seeing some of the floats and and the puppets from uh, Legend of the Lion King and, and and things from old Walt Disney World. The the geek the, the old sub right the old sub mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the geek in me the the meter went off the charts. So for me, when I see a venue like that, when the nostalgic in me comes out, I see the sense of nostalgia coming through the parks again. The thing that I thought about again, we're taking the financial money making opportunity. Right. What about a Walt Disney World History Museum? Right. Props, tours, presentations, get Corcus in there, just, you know, waxing poetic about old Walt Disney World. <laughs> um, that's a real way to, to sort of keep the Walt Disney World history and the story alive. It can be an ever-changing kind of thing. Is it is it sexy? Is it is it going to make people book a trip down there? No, but we don't have a, a Walt Disney World museum. We don't have a Walt Disney World archive. That's what that could be. Uh, I, and I think you're you're dead on with that because there, there is. I mean, you know, you consider the parks have been together. You know, the resort's been there for over 50 years. All the years that went into planning it, there's so much history. There's so many pieces of that history in scattered corners of the world at this point that having a place where they could rotate exhibits and rotate themes, it's extraordinary. I mean, and the place right now is extraordinary as it is. You're talking about all the profits. Uh, there was a dinner there that we were supposed to have a couple of years ago, and it happened to fall on my birthday, and my wife had a dinner planned for me elsewhere, and I almost can't, I almost told her to cancel because I was going to the prop, warehouse, the prop room. I was like, no, no, you don't understand what's in here. Um, so it is. It's an incredible space, and I do. I think it's time for uh, Walt Disney World, you know, whether it's there or whether it's its own dedicated spot to have its own kind of history museum. I agree. I agree. So uh, anything else in Hollywood Studios for you? No, nope, we've covered we covered all those corners. So I, I'm curious when when you went to Animal Kingdom, mm -hmm. did what was the first thing, or did anything sort of jump right out at you? I had two. The first one that jumped right out at me um, was Grandma Willow's Grove, which is where for years the Pocahontas and her Forest Friends uh, show went on. And I, and I don't know why it, that it, it immediately jumped to me that you know they still use it for. Uh, you know the the friends gatherings, and they have some characters. They do little dance parties, uh, but the you know that that stage was for for what would, was a small show that showed off small woodland creatures like skunks, snakes, um, some small birds. It, there was a lot of effort done, a lot of story put into that that stage. And so, of all, in, in you know, with the coming of Avatar Land, uh, if and when you know, I don't know what's going to happen to that space. Uh, but for me, it, just because I'm such a, you know, my hometown is you know, right down the street in, in uh, Brandon, Florida. I miss Florida so much. I'd love to see a little show or an exhibit that really highlighted all the creatures that are just native to Florida. Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to say, you know, when you're talking about skunks and snakes and squirrels and armadillos, you could just walk down the street and you yes. can encounter, yes. walk, walk in between Fort Wilderness and Wilderness Lodge and you can pretty much get that same experience. Yeah, you can. <laughs> if people don't think wildlife lives in, in Walt Disney World, it lives in Walt Disney World. We may not have mountains, but we got plenty of critters. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, when you started talking about Grandmother Willow's Grove, the first thing I thought of was, wow, this would be a great place for Pandora. This is, you know, this is certainly yeah. where we're, we're expecting expecting Pandora to go. It'll be interesting to listen to this podcast 10 years from now and see how how accurate or inaccurate we, we really are 
Um, and so I didn't consider that space because to me, if if things are going the way we expect, it's right. sort of a fait accompli that that will be where Avatar Land or or I like the right. term Pandora is going to be. So who knows? Maybe we get maybe we get you know a parade of fictional creatures that come across the stage. That's, <laughs> I'll take a that. A parade of Navi just you know making their <laughs> yes. way nine flu nine foot tall blue women. Um, <laughs> The thing that came to mind for me is is people may not realize, but it was sort of the the eight hundred pound, pardon the pun, gorilla in the room. Uh, but it was the Discovery River. Mm-hmm. I thought of Discovery River, and I think a lot of people probably don't remember, and certainly probably never rode on the Discovery River cruise, the Radio Disney River cruise, the Discovery River taxis. It went through many different names in its yep. very relatively short lifespan. And to me, Ryan. This was less about the TTA and more similar in concept to the Skyway in the Magic Kingdom. It was a circular tour of Disney's Animal Kingdom. It had elements of the Jungle Cruise, right? It had sort of these these mm-hmm. ratty-looking old boats with mud on them. It really looked like they were there for years, and, and they were weathered, and they had bugs on the windshield, and there was the darting dragonfly, and... Uh, the hasty hippo, the leaping lizard, all those kind of like funny otter nonsense, right? Some of the other funny names that were there as well too. But I think part of what the problem with this was, was that nobody understood what it was, right? There were two docks. There was one in Safari Village. There was, uh, sorry, there was originally one in, in only in Safari Village at the upcountry landing in Asia. And it was a a one-way round trip tour around the animal kingdom. And I think some people probably went there expecting it to be a transportation system or, or, or more like more akin to the Walt Disney World Railroad, where you would right. stop in places along the way. Eventually, it was the Discovery River taxi. Right. And then you you weren't it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a, a round trip tour. And then it was a Radio Disney River cruise. And it, it never really sort of found what it wanted to be. But. I think what it gives you is the same thing that the Swan Boats did, the same thing that the TTA does, the same thing that the Skyway did, which was give you beautiful, unique views of a park that is meant to be slowly walked and meandered through, whether on foot or on the water. So I think you could do a couple of different things here. I think you could maybe have sort of a a boat ride adventure, make it an attraction, make it something that you want to sort of add a little bit, bit of spice to it. Theme it like it's going to be a, a regular boat ride, but in true Disney fashion, something goes horribly wrong. Have You've got all the opportunity, as they did in the past, for these interactive elements along the way mm-hmm. on the shores. You could have these boats move towards the shores and have things where people be there to make something happen. Have it be a story that, that goes along with it. Or in the, in the alternative, you can make it a slow-moving dinner cruise. <laughs> you just, you know, and serve food on there as well, too. But... You got to take advantage of this beautiful river that's there in whatever form or fashion, whether it's a transportation mechanism to get you from one side of the park to the other or a round trip tour that's themed, interactive, uh, about story, whatever it may be. But but it just makes such sense. And the boats are here. I mean, I've seen these boats. I've been using these boats actually by the Magic Kingdom for a while. Um Sort of these old because they are large boats and they there could be large boats on there as well too. So I, th- I think there's a, a great opportunity for, you know, it's not an e-ticket attraction. It doesn't have to be an e-ticket. No, no. 
Uh, I think you're right. I mean, and there were there were so many great elements of those shows. You, you had the you know animatron audio animatronics Aladar for, who had escaped from the Dino Institute down by the river. You had the Dragon Cave uh, over by Camp Mini Mickey, which was going to become you know the Beastly Kingdom area. So they wanted to keep that hint coming. Uh, there are so many ways you could put the little you know little elements in all over the park to highlight uh, the the adventures that are going on. You know, now you could add a Yeti footprint down at the base of uh, the Forbidden Mountain. But any river anywhere in the world, you see signs of life everywhere. You know, there are boats moving. There are kayakers paddling down a river. I think you need to get the Discovery River back its life and give it these boats that, that show that it's a thriving, living part of the environment. Yeah, I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. And, and do you have any other ones in, in Animal Kingdom? No, those are my two. So because I think when you, when you talked about a, a true living environment, my mind instantly went to the two big ones. Uh, there, mm-hmm. there are two big ones for me, and I'm sure for you as well, too, that are outside the park, but I think have great opportunity. Um, I'll let you pick which one you'd like to, to address first and maybe which one you'd like to end off with and really just sort of blue oh. sky. Let's see. I'm, all right, let's go ahead and start with Discovery Island. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was, this was a tough call. Uh, but we'll go ahead and start with Discovery Island because I had two ideas for it. Um, and you know it's such it's that great piece, and I'm that you know kid from Fort Wilderness, and that island's always right there. You always see it. it there's just not, there's nothing going on there. It was this zoological habitat before we had Disney's Animal Kingdom, and that's why Disney's Animal Kingdom has a Discovery Island now. Was you know to pay homage to the to this island. Uh, an idea I had a couple of years back, and at this point, I don't think uh, totally is it, totally viable anymore. But a great idea I had at once upon a time was to give this like a lost island kind of a feel, like a mm-hmm. dinner show kind of a feel. Where you go to the island, you have these you know it, these different experiences of things you do and you interact with, uh, kind of like we were talking about with Tom Sawyer's Island earlier on. Um, and at the end of the night, you know they're going to show you this presentation. The smoke monster comes and you have to get off the <laughs> island, and that gives you, but that gives you a way to rotate the you know the diners in and out so that you have a whole nother group coming on to do their their dinner experience. Um, I think probably what would what has stood the test of time and what that island would be really great for uh, would be a kids only experience, mm. and it would be to take the kids you know from a on a pirate ship from the Polynesian or from Fort Wilderness or the Wilderness Lodge, and that is Neverland, right? Oh and wow, yeah. And you have you know you have the tree and you have you know Peter's you know Peter's home. You have the uh, you know Tiger Lily's village. You have. The Mermaid Lagoon. You have all these places that they can go and explore, but it's like a kids-only kind of a thing, you know. Where uh, as much as you and I want want to get on that island, they're not going to let us on that island. <laughs> I, you know, I like the Neverland concept, uh, especially being the the fan of Peter Pan that I yeah. am. Uh, I do because I'm jealous of, because my kids get to do things I don't do like the Neverland club and other places. I, <laughs> yeah. to go. I do like the idea of a family experience. I like something that right. is not exclusionary, right? I want everybody to be able to participate in, in as much as possible. And here I actually had a number of different uh, ideas and, and I like sort of going off of your, your lost concept. You might not be able to take that story because loss has sort of reached the, the end of its life and, yeah. and it's, it's, not something that's going to come back, but I do like the idea of a sort of time, timed adventure. And one of my ideas was sort of a separate hard ticket adventure. You go there for four hours, six hours, whatever it may be, whatever that number, whatever that magic number is, 
so you can rotate people through. You take a boat there, and you and the fellow people who are on this boat with you are there on an adventure. You're to solve a mystery, search for treasure, be a pirate, be whatever it may be. Yeah, you can make a dinner experience out of it as well, too. Maybe that's something uh, that that's part of it or separate from it. Who knows? It is a relatively large island. There is infrastructure yeah. there yeah. already. Uh, you can do that and make it sort of a ticket. You know, it's, it's like an add-on experience, whether it's a tour or Wild Africa Trek. You've got this adventure island that you can go to now. Yeah. And you know, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, the Wild Africa Trek meets, you know, Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom, kind of like this whole great concept of all these different adventures that you can take, and it takes different paths, like a choose-your-own-adventure island, yeah. all this kind of a thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's the fact that you are on an island and can't necessarily just walk away and, and walk into the park adds a lot of mystery, adds a lot of excitement, I think, to it. That was part of the appeal of Discovery Island was getting on the boat to go out there. Right. Even some right. some something simple like an interactive quest that you do that is specific to that island would be cool. Listen, look, you could put, a, a, you know, think about the kind of theming you could put on a rest in a restaurant there. Right. Think about the views yeah. that you have from that restaurant of, yeah. of the Magic Kingdom. And, and you know, and, and over the years, this island has had a, a number of different concepts attributed to it as possibilities. For those of you that are uh, old like me and Ryan, you may remember a game called Mist which was an adventure game for your computer, uh, which was very much talked about for a long time as being themed toward this island. You were going to go on this mist adventure, this mist quest on this island. Something else that was uh, floated by and, and still might have viability to it is not necessarily a theme park experience or an interactive experience or even necessarily a dining experience, but a resort experience. Mm -hmm. What about having a limited number of private cottages there, right? You figure out the logistics of getting people back and forth and, and things like that, but a number of private, you can call them honeymoon cottages, romance cottages, family cottages. It's the treehouse villas on an island. Right. You could have a little restaurant there. You could have a spa there. You want to talk about sort of a, the ultimate luxury Disney-type experience. This island could potentially be that. I know... I, as it's speaking simply as a Disney World enthusiast, I would try and pay that premium to be mm -hmm. to be able to stay in one of these island cottages. Yeah, I'd split it with you. We could we, we'd find <laughs> a way. We, we'd have to mortgage everything we had, but we, I'm sure of it. We, you know, we'd find a way. But a cottage on the beach. Yeah. You know, I mean, on your own little, on basically a, what effectively would be your own little island. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, uh, I think that. There's potential for Discovery Island. Again, it's one of those things if you you uh, go on watercraft from Wilderness Lodge or you take out one of the, the water sprites, you can get kind of close to it. Don't get mm. too close. Um, you can see that the island has been ravaged not just by weather and hurricanes, but time. You know, the aviary you can almost still see a part of and the docks and, and things like that. But um, forgetting the cost of putting that stuff in there. I think there's still, there's still hope where there's a little part yeah. of me, Ryan, that cries a silent tear, but holds out hope for discovery Island. I think we also hold out hope and we wish and long for the return of probably what I assume is the last one on our list. And I'm sure we're both thinking about river country. Oh, river country. <laughs> oh, like I said, it was a tough call. I figured we, I figured we'd end on river country. Yeah. Well, that's, that's how I left it. I left it, I left it to end on river country. Well, it's, it's, you know, it has all the elements, right? It, it's it part of, or, you know, original Walt Disney world. It was that first yeah. themed water park. It, it, it harkens back to that 
simple fun times in, in Walt Disney World as a kid, um, really tying into the theming well of the Fort Wilderness Resort and, and the cabins. Oh, it's yeah, it's an incredible piece. I mean, you know, and it is funny. I went back. Some of it has been reclaimed by Fort Wilderness for Mickey's Backyard Barbecue. Um, and I, I found that when I was researching an article recently. But it is one of the places where you walk through Fort Wilderness and you start seeing these rocky outcroppings as you get closer to the beach. And this water park just, you know, kind of, you know, majestically appeared as you came through the rocks. And there were slides and zip lines that you could come crashing down and tubes that you could take down, you know, the hoop and holler. Um, it just, it was this, it was the perfect watering hole of, yeah, a simpler day and age. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of that is still there. Uh, like Discovery Island, it's been ravaged by time, uh, just being let to overgrown. And, I, and we've talked in the past on Wayback Machines about River Country. I'll try and link to it in the show notes or just go to the site and search for River Country. And we do a whole discussion on the history of River Country and yeah. what it was and what it has, because it was it was a water park. It was a place that you could spend the day. You know, you could picnic there. There was food there. I mean, there was so much stuff to do. And I think, Ryan, that's it, what it should be is what it was. I, I think you can still mm -hmm. make that that old country swimming hole, simple family, all American fun park. I know it sounds like I'm describing Wally World, but it's, <laughs> welcome to America's favorite family punk fun park, River Country. I, I don't disagree. I, you know, the only idea I had for it was, you know, to to not because I don't know that they're going to open you know another water park you know anytime in the near future would it be to make it a, a you know one of those super exclusive pools that you see it uh, storm along bay uh, but to make it for guests of Fort Wilderness and the Wilderness Lodge and part of the experience of staying in these wilderness areas is that you get to go down to the watering hole mm -hmm. um, and so it brings it back to life and it gives you another reason to to visit these other these resorts yeah I do like that you know now I'm sort of thinking that. You know, it, it's another, it's it's part of the river country. It's part of the Fort Wilderness experience as opposed yeah. to something else that you have to buy into with a, a ticket right. or having a, a premium annual pass. Yeah, and it, it, it just, yeah, I have so many fond memories of the area. And, and it would all tie together because for those who know that, you know, the old river country tower is now for part of the meadow pool for the slide there. And it, it would, it would just enhance that experience because it, it, it's always belonged to Fort Wilderness. When it opened, you had to park at Fort Wilderness's parking line, catch a tram back. Uh, so it, it's it's ingrained in the Fort Wilderness, you know, bloodstream, as it were, and to to bring it back home. And, and you ended that the, the end of your sentence is exactly what I was thinking, which is the word home, because yeah. Fort Wilderness for so many people is home, and I and I mean that literally and figuratively because mm -hmm. they will come and they will camp there for months at a time. Yep. And if you've been there during Halloween, you've been there during Christmas, Christmas time, you know yeah. that to be true, right? They have their spots. They have signs they put up. I mean, there is a community. There is a family or families of people that come there time after time, and, and they've sort of – they've got their spot. They And you know if you visit that same section or that same street or that same winding pathway, that same RV is going to be there with their Christmas decorations or their Halloween decorations. And – Fort Wilderness is one of those places, and, and we'll do a segment specifically on it, that you can sort of make a day out of, even if yep. you're not staying there. I, I like going to go look at the barn, right? Go look at mm -hmm. um, the, the pictures of Walt and horses and go see 
some of the things that are in there. You can go to uh, see the animals. You can see the horses. The kids can go yeah. pet sort of the mini ponies. You can do the backyard barbecue. You can go to uh, Hoop De Doo. You can you can and you should go to Trails End, one of the best values on property. Crockett's yeah. Tavern. Visit during the holidays. And make it. And I used to love the carriage rides. Uh, the, the the car- yeah, they yeah. have the holiday sleigh rides, carriage rides, the 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 spookier versions at Halloween. Um, it's one of those experiences. You know, I I grew up there effectively uh, on so many trips. You know, living just on the street. But I finally took uh, my wife there just in the past year, finally, and walked her through it. And we did. We spent almost a whole day there, just going over all the great little pieces that are still there, the history that still lives there. Uh, and uh, yeah, incredible food. Uh, if you don't want to sit down, get trails in to go because it's just as good. Um, there's so so much to be seen and experienced there. And I've really come to have such a fondness for Fort Wilderness that look, I, I am a local. Um, I live very very close to the parks, but there still is part of me that likes the vacationing at Disney World experience. And sometimes yeah. every so often you'll say, all right, you know, let's go stay, let's have a staycation for one night at a resort. Now what we're talking about doing is I want to rent an RV and mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to drive it across country. I mean, I want to drive it across country, but, <laughs> but I want to rent an RV and drive it two miles away to Fort Wilderness. And I want to park yeah. there for a few days and I want to have that Fort Wilderness experience. You put in the river country, Fort Wilderness miniature resort water park. Yep. That's it. Right. And you can literally spend your vacation just enjoying Fort Wilderness. Yeah, easily. Easily. And, and you have access to the marina right there. So you can tool, you know, grab your little you know, water racer, or sea racer, and troll tool all around Bay Lake, which is really what most people don't realize is all, all the nature that's right there. Uh, yeah, you, there, it's, it is a week in just one resort. So I'm, I'm happy that we ended it with this because I really like this idea a lot. And I think this idea unlike some of the other ones we may have thrown out, might potentially <laughs> even have legs. Like there, there is legitimacy to what they might be able to do with this yes. space. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something that would be attractive and would really make Fort Wilderness a resort, right? It's a campground, oh, yeah. but it is also a resort as sure. well too. Um, I'm sure we've missed ones, and I'm sure we've also touched on ones that are some people's favorites. So I want people who are listening to weigh in. I want to know, what is your favorite abandoned place in Walt Disney World and more importantly what would you do with it you are Imagineer for the day you have unlimited budget go blue sky don't be restricted by money by time maybe even by technology to a certain degree what would you do with any of these or your own favorite abandoned place in Walt Disney World come to wdwradio.com click on this week's podcast. It'll take you to the show notes. You can comment there there, or you can come to Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash WDW radio. You can comment there as well too. I'll post a link to the show on Facebook. While you're on the interwebs, please also do me a favor. Go to mainstreetgazette.com. It's mainstgazette.com. That is Ryan Wilson's home base. It's his Fort Wilderness. It's where he posts (laughs) and blogs an incredible amount of awesome Really unique content, too, Ryan. You have great content. It's very unique, and I love the spin that you put on it. You can tell you are not just a nostalgic and a historian, but you are a true Walt Disney World fan, and I love the stuff you put there uh, each and every day. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. And uh, look, I love doing 
our Wayback Machine segments and our Epcot retrospectives and our DSIs and, and all those other kind of things. We have plenty, many, many, many more of these in the can, and I appreciate you coming on. I look forward to, forward to you coming back, and I hope that one or more of our ideas actually makes it to reality. Here's hoping, and it is always a pleasure to be here. I have nothing witty to end this with. <laughs> you know, you know, we're gonna catch, we're gonna catch uh, some flack for not mentioning Pleasure Island and Adventures Club and all those pieces. <laughs> oh, that's that's, that's that's where we're gonna get it this week. It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history, see how well you pay attention to the details and what you see or hear, and enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, we were talking about Disney's Wilderness Lodge, and I mentioned how cozy it is by the fireplace, even when it's 110 degrees and 95% humidity, as it is wont to do here in Central Florida. But it doesn't matter how warm it is outside, because there is something very warm and comforting and comfortable and attractive about that fireplace. So your question was this. The chimney of the fireplace at Disney's Wilderness Lodge is meant to represent something. Specifically, that nine-story chimney is inspired and directly reflects what? And the answer is the Grand Canyon. Because that 82-foot-tall, three-sided stone fireplace that really sort of anchors that entire lobby is surrounded by these uh, wooden rocking chairs, and it has nine stories of stratified rock formations, which is a direct recreation of the strata of the Grand Canyon. Disney Imagineers, again, painstaking detail, have over a hundred different colors of greens, magentas, reds, blacks, and browns, as well as some fossilized remains of some prehistoric plant and animal life, really representing two billion years of the time it took for the layers of that rock to form in the real Grand Canyon. Again, thank you and congratulations to the hundreds of you that got this one right. Many of you talk about how much you love the fireplace at Disney's Wilderness Lodge, I selected one winner randomly from all the correct entries to win all of my audio tours of Walt Disney World, a WDW Radio luggage tag button, and a signed copy of Kingdom Keepers 5 by Ridley Pearson. And this week's winner is Lindsay Albrecht. So, Lindsay, congratulations. Please send me your contact information. I'll get your package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, I appreciate you entering. But don't worry, because here's your next chance to win in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So on this week's show, we've been talking about the old and possibly the new in Walt Disney World, and it got me thinking about New Fantasyland and the expansion, that massive expansion that took place, as well as some of the attractions that we lost as part of that expansion and in Fantasyland along the way. So this week's question is going to test your knowledge of not just what's there now, but what we've lost along the way and some Walt Disney World history as well. But it's a very simple question. How many of Fantasyland's opening day attractions from October 1st, 1971 are still in operation today? Even if they've moved, I'm giving you a hint, even if they've moved, names changed, that's okay. How many of those original opening day attractions are still in operation today? You have until 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, March 31st 
to send your answers to contest at wdwradio.com. Again, you're playing for all the audio tours, a luggage tag button, and this week you'll also win a mystery vinylmation. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Be sure and also visit the website over at www.radio.com for our daily blog post, videos. You can subscribe to our free email newsletter. Contact me through Twitter and Facebook. I'm Lou Mangello on Twitter, and you can also find me on Facebook as well. You can subscribe to my profile there. Also, be sure and download the new free WW Radio app for your iPhone and Android device. Easy access to the podcast, blog, videos. You can play it right from the show, see upcoming events, and so much more. While you're on the site, also check out our fun, family-friendly discussion forums and our events page for all the upcoming events, including Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World, our trips out to Toronto, New York. There's still a few spots left for the Family Museum in San Francisco in just a couple of weeks. Lots more coming up as well. Quick thanks to everybody who came out to the Meet of the Month this past weekend and our first WDW Radio at the Movies event for a private screening of Oz the Great and Powerful. Had a great room, packed house to enjoy the film. Jim Corcus and I did a presentation. Lots of giveaways, surprises, and more. We're definitely going to do that again. Stay tuned to the blog. We're going to poll you guys to see what movies you might like to see together as a group, upcoming new releases, or even some vintage Disney films as well. Again, subscribe to the blog or follow me on Twitter or Facebook for more information. Quick thanks to my partners and sponsors, MouseFanTravel.com. They're my official and recommended provider because it's who I've been using for years. It's not just because they're going to get you the lowest possible prices on your Disney World, Land, Adventures by Disney, or Cruise Line Vacation. All discounts as they come out, but really it's because the incredible level of personal attention and service that Becky and her team of agents give all their clients. Visit them again at, at mousefantravel.com if you're bringing down the extended family maybe you want something a little larger right off property allstarvacationhomes.com has everything from two bedroom condos up to seven bedroom homes with multiple master bedrooms game rooms private pools spas and kitchen and so much more and if you want some Disney magic delivered right to your door or your device Celebrations Magazine. You can visit them at celebrationspress.com. You can get it in print. You can subscribe and order back issues as well as on your iPad and other digital devices as well. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links and come by and comment over on Facebook. And please come by review and rate the show and app over on iTunes as well very helpful very much appreciated finally and most importantly I have to thank all of you for taking the time to tune in and listen this and every week and for letting me share my passion for Disney with you through the show and in so many other ways and I hope that you do what you love with those that you love all the time and remember that getting from here to there may take longer than you expect but be patient because the best things are worth waiting and fighting for. So I hope you all have a great week this week. So until next time, see ya. Hey, Lou, it's Wes from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Having a rough day today as my brother and his girlfriend and their three- and five-year-old drove down to Disney to spend four or five days. And they just called me to tell me today that they decided not to go to the park because there's a 50% chance of rain this afternoon, and I said, that means there's a 50% chance of sunshine. They don't get it. They just don't get it, Lou. Uh, 
Uh, anyways, keep up the great work, and look forward to hearing your next show. Bye-bye. Hi, Lou. This is Pete Tadone calling from uh, Long Island. and I'm a new listener. Last couple of months I've been catching up on all the catalog that you have for your older episodes, and I was listening to an episode with you and Jim Corpus doing a walkthrough of One Man's Dream, and at the conclusion you guys are discussing what to do I'm sorry, that was on mainstream with Carousel of Progress. And you guys were discussing what to do with the Carousel of Progress. And I think what would fit best is to move it into, what I previously said, into one man's dream. You can almost make it as uh, the new finale and then move the film that you normally watch in the theater, maybe move that into the lobby where you have all of the uh, the smallest sets so we know they have the Fantasy Land preview. And then you move into One Man's Dream, and that's actually more of the finale for the ride. It could actually then become a main hub devoted to the man. If you want to attract more people, as you said, you always have that, you know, the fear that people don't know who that Walt is an actual person and that he was just, you know, uh, a figurehead like a Betty Crocker or something like that. Well, get Lasseter, John Lasseter, to do an intro video so people who don't know Walt have a connection to a public figure they probably do know. Uh, he's actually done that before last year. He did it for Hayao Miyazaki when they did the intro for the Spirit of the Way DVD. So I don't think that he would, you know, pass up a chance to do something closely related to Walt. You can then return the ride to its original sequence finale because it fits as a pure salute to Walt, and that then eliminates the issue of, oh, the finale looks out of date, it doesn't matter anymore. It's now seen as a pure thing of, of, you know, history of Walt, and you officially can put that aside, and you can just leave it as it was. If you want to do any kind of updating, you refit the ride, get it rid of the old hydraulic fluid, and move it to a more current method. You can use that and say you're mixing the original vision of Walt with the touch of the progress of today, but ultimately what that does in a larger span is cut down the upkeep cost in the future because you won't have the leaking and everything that you have with the current version, the current old version. So that's my idea. I think we should move Carousel over to one man's dream, and then it kind of feels a little more safe. I don't think that anyone will worry about it being replaced with a, you know, a newer ride from Tomorrowland because there is seemingly a lot of room over there to expand. So hopefully it can find a spot over there and it can fit perfectly and we'll have our little corner devoted to Walt uh, right in Hollywood Studios. So hope you guys enjoy that. Thanks a lot for the show and be listening every week. Take care. Bye. You've got a friend.